Hello everyone and welcome to The Other Web. Our guest today is Elias Illusion Empire. Elias is an amateur podcaster, history buff, researcher and analyst who wants to restore conversations on difficult topics on history and politics. We reached out to Elias to discuss his views on the state of our political system and how the media might feed into it. Elias, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I mean, this is our second conversation. Uh, if you want to go back to the first one, let me just do a shameless plug and you go to Politically High Tech for that. Let me just have an awkward start right there. Now, it's actually really great to be here. Thank you so much um, for this invite. I always like to talk to anyone who is willing to just hear me out and have a good, stimulating dialogue. We don't get a lot of that these days. There's a lot of one on one up you. It politics has become a blood sport verbally and some sometimes literally, which is scary, but yeah. Yep. So last time we talked mostly about my main topic, which is information, news, media, things like that. Today we get to talk more about the stuff you like, which is politics. So it will be a slightly different conversation, but I will put the link in the description to our previous conversation so people can listen to that too. Let me start with the most basic question. In your bio, and your description, you say that you've been disillusioned with the two-party system. Let's start with that. Why? Because they don't represent the vast majority of independents. Independents outnumber Democrats and Republicans if you check the statistics. I mean, what the last statistic I checked, it was about like 26% Democrats, 25% Republicans, everybody else is other independent. So that is about nearly half that are hybrid. And I think we need to talk to those people because these are the people, I mean, I'm not unique in that situation. I'm very disillusioned because both of these parties do a very poor job representing a large segment of the population. They cater more to the fringe, extremist, crazy groups. I mean, well, I'm going to start first. I'm going to start with... um. The Republicans, Republican side, they have the MAGA crowd. They're very crazy. They're very extreme and to a great degree, especially when it came to breaching the government building. And when it comes to their rallies, you don't want to be there, especially when they're wild and excited. I mean, they got guns and chains and all of that. I mean, I'm sure some of them are nice people, but, you know, you're guilty by association, unfortunately, and I have that mindset. And then we got the other side, the, the the Democrats, the left, the ones with the Antifa and the BLM extremists. They were burning buildings and doing all of that. So I really can't stand on both their groups. And then the left promotes this woke language, which I'm really against. I think it's anti-American, anti-Constitution, if I'm, if I'm going to go that far to say that. The right, I got my problems with them because they just very, very closed-minded. They are just extremely closed-minded when it comes to the way they engage people, they talk, they do, and they do exclude. I have to agree with the left in those criticisms, but the left's idea of the alternative of what they want to do, it's, it's mind-boggling. So I am disillusioned. I mean, I, if I'm going to go back to my little personal journey, I started off politics as a very moderate Democrat. I was essentially a blue dog Democrat who was willing to even agree with Republicans on some issues. But as time moved on, I just realized they were going in that woke direction and 
That turned me off, and I was a Republican for two years. And by the time Donald Trump got elected to the nomination, I said, oh, no, hell no, I can't. Nope, I can't. Republicans, I can't. But we out for two years, two years too long. Nope, I can't. I can't deal with um this chaos. Um, even though I enjoy it from time to time, but at the but at the rate that he did it, it was so overwhelming. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, with the rhetoric, sometimes it was funny, but I gotta remember he was president at that time, so things he do had did had a great impact. First of all, it is interesting that you became a Republican in 2014. It seems like that was an odd choice of timing. But I guess my question to you is, from a systemic perspective, what is it that brings the crazies in each party to the fore? What amplifies the fringes and what makes the middle absent from the conversation, essentially? Well, one big factor I could easily point out with with a thousand percent confidence is social media. Social media is all about attention, clickbait, quick content to consume. Social media encourage that. And they encourage that for both sides of the aisle. I mean, we could look at Twitter, we could look at Facebook, we could even look at TikTok. I think TikTok is the worst of them all. If you want me to give you a scale um on um such short videos that are high levels of misinformation so much misinformation you would know without needing to do research and what this is what you believe in and then especially promoting one time they even had a, a short video promoting school shooting days which amped the police across the country they were not they were not being hyperbolic the police they were not overreacting they're reacting to TikTok, which is the most popular social media platform, nearly half the U.S. population as of now has TikTok. I'm not one of them. Like I stood away from that because I already knew the dangers. And I have family members and friends that use TikTok. They thought I was crazy. They think I'm going to be a loner, just live under the rock. I, I saw the bigger picture. I saw the bigger picture. So she was on. They, they thought I was being a conspiracy theorist that says owned by China. Google it. It's oh no, you're just jealous. But these social media in general have incentivized craziness. And craziness gets all the attention. It doesn't matter if it's left or right wing kind of craziness. Is it limited to social media or is it any media? Because if I look at the number of times that CNN mentions Marjorie Taylor Greene or that Fox News mentions AOC, it seems like they get a lot more attention than the more rational members of Congress. You know, you're right. And that's the second point. Mainstream media, which I'm happy you point that out. That's the second source, in my opinion, of promoting craziness. They promote the most radical extremes of the ones that, you know, the, the opposing team. Let's just use it that way, because it's sadly it's like a sport. It's not supposed to be a sport, but that's what it is. You know, so I like your framing. I agree with the framing a thousand percent because yeah, Fox will... They portray her as the most craziest person, AOC, which there is some truth to that. Some, you know, and I can say the same thing, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There is some truth to her craziness, but they make it seem like they're the boogie, they're the boogie monsters because they are pushing the narrative. So now I agree, mainstream media does play a huge role as well, especially for a more um, older audience in general. So what can be done about it? 
what can be done about it? That's the thing I've been figuring out. There are some things that um that I do personally. I mean, I limit news consumption. I mean, you should set a timer on your phone. Everybody uses a smartphone. Set it to maximum 15 minutes. I mean, you could play with the preference a little bit, 5, 30, whatever. Definitely no more than 30 because before you know it, it quote, quote, hacked your brain and you're you're already consumed, I mean, emotionally, psychologically, because of the stuff that you hear. I mean, you already know they play the Ukraine war, even though it's not as much. The main thing to keep um, talking about is transgender rights, which is a big thing in mainstream media. Um, rather one supports it or not, uh, that's on one's preference. And me, I have a careful, nuanced opinion about that. I don't believe in, personally, I don't believe in murdering and shaming them, except if they are a crazy activists. If they're activists, they're fair game. I'm going to become just like CNN and Fox News when it comes to attacking them. But if they're just a regular person who wants to be left alone, I'll leave them alone. If they want to live their life, I respect that. They're adults, most of them, so... Look, they have free will, okay? And that's one needs to acknowledge that. Rather you support it or not, that's irrelevant. One has to respect the fact that everyone has a... Well, you could, you could debate for that. I mean, there's a good debate against that, except if you're in a country that still promotes oppression, that's all the resort. But in the context of America, for the most part, you have free will. Except if you do anything you know, illegal, like murder, for example. If I understand that debate correctly, mm. though, it's not like there's an entire contingent on the right saying that mm. transgender mm. people don't have the right to make the sex change, right? Most of the opposition is what happens post-sex change? Can they enter certain spaces that were reserved for the opposite sex or the opposite of their biology? Is that a correct understanding of the debate? Bear in mind, I'm a foreigner. I'm sort of looking at these debates from the outside. No, and... No, that's a good way of framing. That's the most responsible way of framing the right wing perspective on that issue, because their main concerns about the children and indoctrination, and then they, they somehow lumped them with drag shows. Drag is a little different. It's it's one dra drag queens as men dress up as women professionally, which is to me, that's weird around children. I don't care if it's a bunch of adults. Y'all do whatever you want, even though I still think it's wrong. But y'all adults, y'all do what you want. I'll, the most I could be just be vocal. If they get upset at that, so be it. Because I'm not, I'm just speaking my opinion, especially if you bring that to my attention. But if if I'm the first start conversation, I'm gonna avoid that conversation. But if you drag me to the conversation, I'm gonna say my opinion. So if it's adults only, I could care less. I wouldn't have a I wouldn't have a problem with it, even though I still think it's wrong. But I won't have a problem with it. But the fact that children are being deeply involved, especially with the transition, all of that, there are ramifications that people find out. This is a recent thing. So we are learning as a society as we go along with it, I'm sure. Um, so when it came to the when it comes to transgender the transitioning, especially people who's not fully developed, the consequences are very severe. You know, so, you know, especially the ones I hear of more is more boy transitioning to girls. There's girls transitioning to guys, but it's definitely not as prolific. But those transitionings are happening, and there are a lot of ramifications. I mean, 
if you if they want to try to restore their hormones, especially the ones that they were born with, uh, it's never going to be the same, especially physically. It looks, for lack of a nicer word, disturbing. And, you know, I really, really do feel bad for them. You know, but the far right, the extreme right, they'll just say good for them. They got what they deserved. I'm kind of curious who said that because I don't think I've ever heard that viewpoint. Yeah, no, I won't be surprised. Well, you know what? Because I look at the deep ends of these things too from time to time. But this is not very, some things I'm saying is not very, very popular, not well heard of. But I'm sure some, some of them in the far right, this is my speculation at least, and based on what I've heard, that it's, oh, they got what they deserved because they want to transition. Good, you know? Honestly, I haven't heard that viewpoint. But I mean, in the US, from what I've seen, mm-hmm. essentially, it doesn't matter what survey you have. If you have an option in there, like lizard people rule the world, at least 4% of the people will say yes. You can get 4% for anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But but to be very clear, that's probably like 0.1%. But I, unfortunately, I found it. So it's just, it, it's, and um, I'm not sure you heard of this commentator uh, from the right, uh, Matt Walsh. He's been one of the harshest against transgender he lumps them all together which to me that's a big mistake you don't lump them all together you you lump all the crazy activists together then i'm in full agreement but once you put all the transgender people together that's already discrimination so you know if they want to claim discrimination on that uh they have they kind of have a, a case right there but you know well, he's not in a position of power, as far as I know, other than having an audience on the Daily Wire. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. But he does got influence, and we got to be careful with that because sometimes we tend to, inf- we tend to, well, some of us tend to um, underestimate the influence that these people got. So I always be aware of that. It's true he's not in a position of power. It's a good thing he's not, to be clear, because I'm sure he would have got his his fan base and. And even those on the center right, which is a group I will um join up with more in debates and side up with them more, they say no. You criticize the ideology, not the not the people, which is a more responsible approach. And as far as I've seen, typically the people who end up in this predicament, they are fairly depressed to begin with. Right? I think the depression rate among transgender people is north of seventy percent. So definitely don't want to punish them further. I perfectly agree with that. I mean, they already suffered through enough, you know, and look, I am a Christian and look, I think it's wrong what they did, but they're already suffering. Do we need to, I agree with that. Do do we need extra beating for that? I mean, come on. It's like, it's close. It's pretty close to beating a dead horse. I mean, and the suicide rates, forget it. So speaking on that, I kind of have to ask again, looking at this a little bit from the outside in, Mm -hmm. isn't that entire issue to some extent from both sides of the political spectrum, beating a dead Mm -hmm. horse? And we're talking about something that really isn't that common. Transgender rates are less than a quarter percent of a population. Why is it that both on the right and the left, it seems to occupy at least 30% of the entire discussions? Why is it that what how you introduce yourself and what pronouns you use is such a big topic that every single company has a policy on when it seems like the vast majority of people in most companies have never met a transgender person. 
I mean, I like your framing. This is why I welcome foreign perspective because I'm personally, I feel like I'm in a muddled so much that my perspective is getting more skewed the more I dive into this. I thought I would get smarter, but I don't know. Maybe I'm becoming a little more insane. You can quote me on that one. Don't be surprised probably a year from now, I'm becoming insane because of this issue. Well, one thing is attention and controversy. You know, these news media, social media, they want attention. They want ratings. That's one thing. And the other thing why this is such a big issue is because in a government level, which I found that why I did some dig deep, dig, I dig pretty deep that the government is funding these LGBTQ plus um, programs through the tax dollars. So why is that? What is the purpose of government doing this? Well, one is to spread the awareness of LGBTQ plus, if I want to put it responsibly, and educating people on that. And they're not just doing it in America. They're doing it in the other countries, too. They're doing some in Latin America, which is I find that very interesting. Even in India, which is interesting. I mean, so much American textiles has been used for this. And that's the portion I am angry at the government and I'm angry more at the politicians than even the trans activists. They're more like a theater to me that I could just argue when I don't have anything better to do. But this is why I'm more critical of the government more than anything, because they're funding this. And some of the consequences coming out is, you know, some of it could argue is indoctrination. Some could call it its um, progressive education. I mean, you know, you're a foreigner, so I don't want to try to spin it too much left or right. Try to give it as, um, you know, so far I'm, I'm spinning it too much to the right. So I got to put it as centered as possible. We can cover gun control afterwards to sort of balance things out. But now in this case, I am really curious because I've been observing this and I really don't understand. Mm -hmm. It could be that there's a number of activists that act mm -hmm. as sort of a subversive force. But it seems like people who probably don't believe this ideology are still promoting it actively from, through government policy. Why is that? What is the benefit to people in the Biden administration promoting? I mean, for one easy thing, it's always about votes. They want they want to keep that. They want to keep a tight. I don't want to say control influence would be the better word because they can't. You know, it's not fully in control unless they want to do some authoritarian kind of government. Um, we are not there yet, and I do say yet, but we are slowly approaching that based on how things are crazy. And people who don't really support it, um, support it publicly is because, you know, the fear of cancellation. I mean, we referred to that at the, the beginning, right before the recording. You know, you know, me so far, I'm in a small pond. I'm going to enjoy the small pond until... I mean, it's, it's a big, you know, until I grow big, I'm sure they're going to dig up things I've said in the past. And I, you know, there are certain times I did bash them as a monolith. I mean, I'm willing to call myself out on that. But recently, I'd be more careful that that because because I respect them as human beings. They made the wrong choice. They're already suffering. And, you know, there's more of them are really the victim of this, poli this politically cultural wackiness that um that we are dealing with and we don't need to bash anyone who's depressed even if they are cisgender you know they, they don't need to do that but you know these this population is very small but yeah they got super high um depression drug use suicide rates yeah no they they don't they'll need more beating and 
And ironically, they attack their own if they even disagree with them, especially the activist class. I'm talking about those particularly. They will attack another transgender for disagreeing with ideology. They only care about ideology, pure ideology more than anything. That's that that's all for me, that's what really boils down to. Is it the case that ideology, political ideology, is essentially just becoming religious warfare? People are yeah. taking it with the same level of seriousness. And they are just as oblivious or dismissive of facts or knowledge or anything like that, as long as it doesn't match their ideology. Yep. Yep. Sadly, there's cults on both sides of the aisle and it doesn't matter um, how much facts you got. And sadly, you know, as much as I have been using your website, by the way, other web has been actually on my podcast. Um, Definitely, because I am uh, an advocate, again, not an advocate, I am against misinformation, so I want to be responsible. I'm not against free speech, but I am against misinformation. So, you know, they, they could call me a centrist there because, you know, the left are, the left, they claim to care about misinformation, but they promoted themselves too. So they can't be the, the caller. They cannot be the the people who set the terms was misinformation because, they have spread their own misinformation as well. So I'm calling out both sides of the aisle when it comes to that. But I'm probably getting sidetracked. Feel free to... Since you mentioned our website, I should give a shameless plug myself. We've launched a new version of the Android and iOS apps six days ago. And at this point, the app is way better than the web. Hopefully, the website will catch up pretty soon. But if you've been using otherweb.com, then I highly recommend you download the other web app on Android, iOS, doesn't matter way better uh, that that's great um i almost put on the host hat for a second there let's <laughs> go check it out but this, this is your show here that's all oh, man I'm about to just take take your host cap for a second right it's there. it's all right we're just chatting that's how i'm right at this there are no hosts i think my role as a host is to think up new questions which makes it a lot more difficult than just being a guest when somebody else asks me the question and that i can just riff that's the only difference, really. Everything else is right. the same. It's funny. I'm, I'm the opposite. I find it ho- easier to host <laughs> than sometimes to be a guest because a guest, even though I don't mind the spontaneity, but it's like, oh my goodness, that's a good one. I didn't really think about that. That's, that's you know that, but I don't mind it regardless. And sometimes I don't take myself overly seriously. I mean, you gotta have some fun in life. So to me, I look. I always look at it as a learning experience. You know, me as a host, I already got my questions prepared. I did my research and then whatever drifts, I could go along with the drift. Yeah, I think you also might just be much more experienced as a host and that makes it easier. Whereas I'm a complete newbie. Uh, well, so well, so far you're doing good. You know, you're doing good. Don't, you know, don't, don't knock yourself down. You're doing good. You already got, so far the way I can say you got the, you already got the fundamentals. Asking questions, you know, it depends what kind of podcasts if it's confrontational of course you're gonna ask all the hard questions that's gonna generate a debate and visceral reaction that kind of thing but you just want to have a conversation i mean that that's pretty easy just you know be your the way i say is be yourself and you know you in a sense you get to indulge your own curiosity as a host so and generally speaking my approach to this has been my goal is to make you sound interesting and good right and so i'm just asking the questions that pull interesting ideas out of you Hopefully that's working out well so far. So let me ask you, you've covered transgender issues. We've covered some of the crazies on both sides. As somebody who is looking at this a little bit from the outside and yet has been in the U.S. for a while, one of the perks of living in the U.S. is I get to own firearms and I love them. And it's great, but I'm a little bit surprised about the gun debate in this country. 
it seems like both sides are in these weird extreme positions that don't make much sense. And every time there is some sort of an event in the news, you open the newspapers and immediately you see, I don't want to say somebody standing on the graves of the children who just died, but it kind of seems like that to promote a policy that would not have prevented this event. Now, on the other side, you see complete opposition to absolutely everything. And it just feels weird. I grew up in Israel, which has a lot of guns, but has a lot of restrictions on gun ownership that make sense. And so what's your opinion on this? Why did this debate go so far afield on both sides? Well, I mean, it's been an issue for a bit of a while, for a long while, ever since, definitely before I was born, that this whole gun debate it's been going on. Um, I mean, but it really, really supercharged starting in 1999. That was the first major school shooting that created this crazy, crazy divide that we're dealing with. I mean, the left is about restricting guns as much as possible, background checks, all of that. And I agree. My only criticism with the left is I'm more now think come to think about it, I am not as right wing as I thought I was on guns. I, I am pro I am pro to a but I do believe in some um restrictions. The restrictions are good, but it only solves one part of the problem. And the Democrats tend to not focus on creative criminals who for a living has to bypass outsmart the system outsmart outsmart the systems so like that they could get guns and do whatever they need to do with it kill someone sell it illegally what have you that's my biggest problem with the democrats they want to do so much control 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 but what you're doing is penalizing some gun owners who have been responsible for most of their lives with that that's why I got a problem with the left. But the right, oh, no, we don't need it at all. And I just simply disagree with that approach. We need to do psychology, some kind of um, psychological tests. We need background checks. We need to do these things to see, you know, there's a catch, potentially prevent some whack job. So who's crazy or mentally ill for owning a firearm. Let me try to dive into one piece of this that has been sure. really bugging me for a long time. You mentioned school shootings, right? The Secret Service from time to time publishes a report on school shootings, analyzes the statistics, how many were caused by what, essentially, or what do shooters have in common? One of the things that jumped out at me when I looked at the report that was published by the Obama admin was that something like 86% of all school shootings were done using a firearm that was owned by somebody in the family. And about half of them stored improperly without any locks, about half of them stored in a locked space, but the kids still managed to get access to it, right? And so if 86% of those guns were already owned by somebody in the family, our debate should be focused about 86% on storage and about 14% on purchase. But I hear zero storage discussion, even though it's much easier and it doesn't have a Second Amendment issue. Second Amendment doesn't say... Government shall make no law restricting the storage options of your firearms, right? It just says it will not restrict ownership, but it could say the way Israeli law says, for example, you must store it behind two locks with the ammo separate from the gun. There would be much less opposition to this. And yet, even 
California, where I used to live, doesn't have a law that says this, even though they don't have Republican opposition. So why is it that we're not discussing that, but we are discussing, you mentioned universal background checks, right? Well, the vast majority of those shootings do not come using firearms that were purchased from a private party. So background checks would have no effect. Right. And, you know, that's a very good point. That's why I'm happy to have this conversation. Now I know where I could go. So we see that's something we can easily implement through law. You need to do that kind of lock. You should start legislating out there, you know, promoting with science and data and all that. But I'll also add, have a testimony because sadly in America, even though you have great statistics and great research, unfortunately, that's far from enough to for convincing a lot of people. Stories will be good for that. Anecdotal stories that are very compelling, that grabs a lot of attention. Sadly, this is, this is an attention whore nation. So you got to learn how to be an attention whore in a sense to put to get to get people behind that policy. The Republicans could a good amount of Republicans could agree with that, especially I'm pretty sure all the moderate wing could agree with that because, no, you're not restricting firearms. You're just penalizing owners for being careless. And I and it's very true because it's someone in the family who normally had a gun and a lot of these young kids somehow get access to those guns. I don't know how. Well, actually, I know I got some ideas how. But, you know, like I said, these these people are creative. And a law does nothing to address that, which I think you said that point better than me. In terms of Republican opposition, I would say that if the worry is that the gun lobby generally influences how they vote, well, the gun lobby would benefit from increasing the sale of gun safe. And so there's actually a way here to kind of create the win-win. But so the part that I don't understand in American politics is why do the guys who are pro-gun control not propose anything that would actually be useful like this? Why are they focusing on things that it seems like they get more attention, they would create more polemics, more discussion, but they don't have a chance to pass, right? This seems like something that could pass, and maybe that's why nobody's proposing it, because there's no news coverage in it? Sadly, it is that, and the NRA has a lot of influence. And the NRA, as much as I respect that organization, but there are things that they grossly um, neglect, especially when it comes to nuances uh, when it comes to gun ownership. I'm not against gun ownership. I think it is needed, especially live in an area where there is close to no police presence, mostly in rural areas. You know, city areas, I would have a little different opinion. There's a lot of people there, sadly, more crazy people in the city. So we kind of be definitely much stricter with guns in the city area. Oh, Democrats will love me on that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I was also say for those who owns guns, yeah, do a double lock, I mean, double lock, triple lock, whatever, make sure it's stored properly. And then if there's an incident that comes out that they don't, then they, they revoke their gun ownership and we should punish bad behavior. So that's another thing that it's interesting you mentioned the NRA. As far as I understood from reading the history, the NRA used to be primarily focused on education, gun safety. They still do that to some extent, but it seems like mostly they're a lobbying organization now. But if you think about gun safety and education, one of the other laws that Israel has with regards to gun ownership is to own a gun, you must actually visit the range once a year and train with it which is a requirement that seems like the NRA should love because it means gun instructors get a lot more people visiting them, taking courses, shooting in ranges, etc. Again, it seems like something that the right would not oppose. Nobody on the left is proposing it. I don't know why. 
No, because like I said, it's like a team sport. They want to screw each other over. That's why. That's it's it's as simple as that. And sadly, since we don't have a a third party that's strong enough to oppose these two parties, this is why we keep having two behemoths argue with each other while all the other little independent peoples are just pissed off and frustrated. I mean, myself included. <laughs> so, is there a way out? Because what you're describing is pretty pessimistic, slash fatalistic. Uh sadly, the only way the the only way out is one political party has to deteriorate. That's the only way the American political landscape could change. And the way it's looking, it is not going to happen anytime soon. And people and and I'm spreading a general. It's not spreading it. It's already been spread before I was born. That, oh, I, if I vote for independent, my vote doesn't count. And sadly, the infrastructure is set up so that these two parties can stay there for a really long time. The money, the media, you know, they play a huge role in, in the coverage and which party stays relevant. So sadly, there's a lot of money involved. And that's why this is why I agree with the left a thousand percent. If they're being fully honest, take out massive money out of politics because money does drive a lot of that. Like the NRA put money to candidates just to be, you know, just uh, uh, if they got their full way, I'm sure they would abolish some gun restrictions. Um, but and then for the left, they would probably be like gun safe, gun control advocates that they call them or whatever. They, yeah, they, they will be, they'll be putting the most strictest gun control possible like i like i said i am i generally support that but you already know the execution is off it is getting it has been proven how obsolete these i hate, I hate to use that term but it's obsolete outdated these um gun restrict these gun control laws more people's committing mass shootings greatly just this for the past couple of years alone i mean it's a disturbing trend and there are quite a few examples of mass shooters that were actually barred from purchasing a firearm and still just went to the store and bought one. And the background check failed. That happened in several of the examples. I think the nightclub in Atlanta was probably the most famous one. Yeah. And the watch list for those people. And I think, well, this is this is probably, this is definitely me speculating here. I think sometimes the FBI fails on purpose so they could pass gun control. Why would the FBI be interested in that? I don't that I don't know that they'll probably be interested in that because they will definitely want a more tame population. I mean that that's why I'm assuming at least. So that that's why I can I'm just speculating from here. But you know they've been on FBI watch list, and he still got the gun and did the shooting. So I I'm beginning to think their failures on purpose. Yeah, my money is usually on incompetency and not on malice, but that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I, 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 th I, th I think it's malice at this point. I, I, if it was you talk to me eight years ago, I would have agreed with you, but this, this, this is repetitive. So no, I have more malice thinking in terms of that. Interesting. I'm still trying to find a hopeful note in all of this and trying to figure out: <laughs> is there anything in the system? that can essentially be reformed. Now, you suggested one possible way out, though it's kind of hard to see how that comes about, but that is one of the parties breaking up. Right? It looks like there is a chance of this happening with MAGA Republicans versus never Trumpers. I don't know to what extent that has a chance of happening. 
It could also, it seems, happen on the left with what seems like the woke wing of the party essentially mm -hmm. going against the normal class politics, right? So they're kind of contradicting each other. Is there a chance of a rift there or is it relatively stable? It's stable for now, but this current trajectory, this keeps up, they're definitely going to be deteriorating. So that, so on that ironically positive note that there's hope, we, you know, just people who are disaffected just needs to vote too. That's another thing because independence, we are not as engaged as you should be. And I got to stop saying we are blocked because there are socialist independents. There are those who lean left, but don't want to be identified as left and the right wing got their version as well. I mean, at independence, just to put it simply, we're like the wild cards. You don't know what the independent is until you see each person's track record on voting. And, and some of them vote for a third party, which almost always fail the reason why i frame it that way because the last time you know one time the republican party was a third party when the Whig party was dying out and now it's the second party because the Whig party died out because it was very irrelevant once these political parties become irrelevant they'll be they might keep the name i won't be surprised but they'll be shifting realignments you already talked about the breaking up there's gonna be changing um, platforms and ideologies. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I think there already is one happening right now. It seems like working class whites are shifting Republicans, whereas almost all college educated people have shifted Democrats. I mean, the for the most part, the educated were, yeah, they were, they, were, they were already Democrat, but that's interesting that you point that out. And even to lesser extent, working class Latinos are going to the Republican Parties. Well, that's the second big group that's going there. I mean, it's just, if I had to give a ratio right now, I mean, before it used to be vast majority Democrat, but a lot more of them is shifting Republican because they see and family values, religious values, a good amount of Hispanic people identify with that, generally speaking. Don't get me wrong, I know Hispanics are atheists, don't believe in that, but they are more, you know, they, they either stick to the Democrat Party or they don't participate at all, you know. Uh, so, you know, the, those are shifts that are happening. It's true that more working people are going towards the Republican Party. Um, and, yeah, and it's very, very, very interesting. It's very interesting to see that um, happen. And, I mean, of course, the vast majority of that, of the transgender population, bring just to mention for a second, I'm sure overwhelmingly that small group is um, Democrat. Um and some of them just don't even bother at all because they know that they're being used for votes, especially the more cynical ones. So that's that's what I know without getting long-winded and deep into the muddle here. Um, so yeah, that, that's all I got to say about that and the topic, unless you have any more questions you want to follow up on. I love this conversation. I'm actually, I realize there's certain faults in my thinking, which is enlightening. Right, so I, I want to try to triangulate and try to step outside of politics to see if we can do something to improve politics from the outside. Is there something we can do in the media space to try to change the incentives for politicians? I mean, you already mentioned money, but it seems like money in politics has to be solved within politics. We cannot create different yeah. incentives as long as politicians get to vote their own laws, which allow them to take bribes. But from the media side, perhaps we can affect things forcefully without asking the politicians for permission. If so, what should we do? 
Well, it's going to be a, a hard one and a pretty controversial one. Well, we have to we have to start giving um, alternative news platforms more attention. And of course, um, I got to be careful when I say that because they got their own flaws. Like for me personally, I um, watch Kim Iverson, which I think um, she's one of the few great ones. And it's the vibe. She's identified as left, but she's more the kind of lefty I could get along with because she is... She questions government. She understands freedom. She's definitely not woke at all. She thinks it's ridiculous, even though she identifies she identifies herself as a progressive, which is interesting. And she's just like a progressive to me. She, she sounds like a Democrat. That is, well, she's not. I don't think she's a Democrat. I'm I'm putting words in her mouth now. But she definitely sounds like a normal progressive because normal progressive is very pro government, pro LGBTQ plus race issues one of the forefronts of their thinking and they're about um universal basic income i support that if it's done carefully only for those who are you know those in a certain income line i probably i probably aim it at less than fifty thousand a year but then it's not universal anymore no that's what's called unfortunately that's so it's a misnomer the u is gone in ubi so the irony is if you Phrase it the way that you just did, right? Yeah. Um, that is an idea that at least in the U.S. context originated with Friedman, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a right-wing proposal. He mm-hmm. proposed a negative income tax that essentially gives credit to people if they make no income whatsoever. And then as they start making income, it eats into their credit and they reach zero at some point. That is the means-tested universal basic income. It's a right-wing proposal from the Nixon era. Yep, and uh, and the left took it rebranded as universal basic income. Well, they did remove the restrictions, right? So if you look yep. at universal basic income, it's typically proposed as thousand mm-hmm. bucks per month per person, everybody, including the billionaires, right? It's a little yeah. different, but yeah, I, I will just say, if I would change the naming, I would call it cash assistance for the needy. We already have a bunch of programs with those names. I, I yeah, I know. I know it's like I said, you could tell I didn't think this out. I didn't think this crazy this through. Um, that that's why I don't generally support it unless it's done really, really carefully. And one of them, I mean, I talked to a guest before, um, who is a social security expert. He says, if you want to remove bureaucracy, just do universal basic income, it'll be better, it'll save money. You know, we will the deficit will definitely decrease if people just get benefit without going through the bureaucracy, which I'm for. Less bureaucracy, more benefit for the people. I mean, I I am for it, but both parties will protect Social Security to death. So that's a because old people vote. Yeah, they they the most reliable voters. Yeah, doesn't matter they're Democrat, Republican. They are the most reliable. That's why I'm telling people of my age group and younger, you need to be more consistently involved. Not be involved just because you're feeling hurt or or you feel vitriol. That's gonna that's gonna dissipate. That's gonna disappear. You need to be more actively involved. Is it tiring? Yes. If it's difficult, yes. But change will happen. I mean, all change is not easy. I mean, especially meaningful change. So, and sadly, I think I could safely speak for Americans. I'm not gonna speak for foreigners. Uh, I would definitely get in trouble there because I, I I don't know how some of them think, except for once I come here. But that could be the minority too, because they That's have a self-selected group, right? Right. So it's people like me who dreamt about living in the US since age twelve. 
that's yeah. not exactly representative of the foreign population. Oh, for sure. That's why I said, no, I'm not using that anecdote. I already know there's a logical gap to put it nicely. No, that's not happening. So Americans, since we are so used to click, doing everything so quickly, we expect change. Let society go that quickly. No. Mm -mm. Government institutions show that. No, they take their slow time changing. You know, Unless there's an incentive for them to change. Then that's when they're going to change quickly. And sometimes when they change, it's not for the better. I mean, you know, I could cite one law that massive changes happen that that actually spooked me. And ironically, this came from this came during the Republican administration. That's supposed to be about limited government. But since he was such a neocon moderate right wing, he obviously disregarded that. He did the Patriot Act and that increased surveillance and well, TSA was formal under Obama, but I'll be the next step of that. And yep, so we had surveillance, so US citizens being spied on. There's a catch on. I'll show the attempt was to catch criminals and mostly terrorists, which were mostly Muslim at that time. Um, but you know, but it did cost us on the, the freedom. And but if you want more security, you cannot have security and freedom. There, you know, there are actually let me move this way, they are the opposites. They are. They, There's a trade-off, you know, probably. Yes, yeah. Uh, no, there definitely is a trade-off. You want more freedom, you have to allow some risk. So connecting a few things that we've just discussed, I've been having this crazy thought that will probably get me canceled, but I want to voice it and run it by you and see what you think. Okay. Uh, I think that we are defining corruption in politics incorrectly. You mentioned we need to get money out of politics, and everybody knows that money for a political decision is corruption, right? But it seems to me that when we're talking about, let's say, the Republican Party defending social security to the death, that is a form of corruption. They're just trading their influence for old people voting for them. How is that different? It's still quid pro quo, to use a phrase that became famous recently, right? They're still exchanging something. It's just the currency is not money. Or, you know, a physical merge. So <laughs> I, I'm a Yersha, so I'm going to use Tamer language, a physical merge. <laughs> So, you know, not that kind of quid pro quo, but yeah, it, it is quid pro quo in a very political sense. And I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, we one could debate is corruption, but sadly, the way America systemically thinks it, it's OK. It's, Let me use an example from the other sure. side. How is it OK to specifically for the Biden admin to forgive student loans? That's a very small part of the population that happens to vote Democrat. That part of the population is not particularly poor, typically. It's upper middle class for the most part. It's students just buying up the votes of a particular block that if it shows up next time, it votes down. Right? That is fairly similar, in my mind, to Republicans supporting Medicare and Social Security, even though it doesn't match their ideology. Right? It seems like, again, exchanging a political favor for a particular block voting for it. Yep. Um, unfortunately, if that's what you see. I mean, that means a lot of Americans are very, very. I, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think that's cancelable. I. I get what you're saying. You know, it's a. It's very immoral, sadly. And since I'm born here in America, I'm sure there's certain blind spots I can't get over just yet. That's why I like to talk to foreigners because it gets me thinking of the way I that. Aha! Uh -huh, I didn't think of it that way. You know, being born here and be, and of course, coming to America are two completely different things. I can't imagine how it is to be a 
an immigrant, even though I got a soft heart for immigrants, I'm not the most anti-immigrant, but I am about securing a border and all of that and about getting the right people and, you know, getting good immigrants to this country. They don't have to be necessarily white or the most educated and all of that, you know, or the best English speakers in the world, you know, that, you know, that's the thing. So I've, I've, I've a bit of a soft heart for immigrants, but that's, that's getting sidetracked. But in terms of that, but sadly, a lot of American politicians, they're going to do these things to get favor. So a lot of American politicians in your mind are corrupt in that sense. Because that's what it know, looks like, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing if you support the position that matches your stated ideology, right? But every time I see somebody say my ideology is X, Y, Z, and then they support the opposite, I have to look at, hmm, why, why is that? <laughs> and it usually is something like that. No, that's no, you're like I say, you're right. It sounds, it's you know, it it sounds a little crazy, but you're you're not wrong. Just because it sounds crazy doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just you know, most Americans don't think that way because we are so tribalized. We don't care. We just want to get our way, or the or or we're gonna do something about it. And that's how Americans don't typically think. It doesn't matter if you're on the left or on the right, you know. So you know, so politicians are gonna do these things, even that goes against their ideology, it goes against their party, it goes against in what they really believe in. They care about staying in office, they care about you know, you know, they care they care about keeping power, you know, which it's corrupt in that sense. So I, for you, you calling out so many politicians. So I did. Let, let me call out some more. Um, so my last question to you will probably be the one that will trigger the most cynicism, but mm -hmm. I, I have to go there. Mm -hmm. Congress seems to be reelected or Congress people seem to be reelected to their position 97% of the time, but they seem to be supported by 10% of the population. Is this fixable at all or is that system entirely gone? It is fixable as long as more people get involved, vote in the primaries, vote in the vote in every stage of the game and not just politicians because politicians they got limited range and i'll go further to say even school boards and all of that because they have policies that affect the schools um greatly but a lot of people don't vote for that. only probably like less than one percent vote but yet they get their way because they are the most involved the most the and that and that points out to extremist the extremists of both sides of the aisle they are the most involved that's why they get their way that's why they get their crazy people like AOC, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's why they succeed. Because all they need is that, that small group of people who are very active. And since they represent districts, you know, craziness is not spread evenly. So we could point out which areas are that these politicians are getting elected in. So, you know, that, that point, more people has to be involved and more people need to be educated. And that's my intent with this podcast to uh to some degree point out the story and try to push them to vote even though i'm gonna call myself out i was a major hypocrite in the 2020 election i sat out because the two choices they have were so horrible and that's the thing and that's that's why um that's why it needs to be very creative i mean third parties were trying to be formed like new third parties like the people's party and all that but they failed miserably because they weren't organized there was a lot of hypocrisy. There was supposed to be the most racial inclusion, but yet there was there was a classic racism. The white person, the white guy dominating. You know, the, these people. I'm quoting their words: "A white guy dominating," and then people just ditched the party and it died. So mm -hmm. it's 
you know, it's gonna it's gonna take some time, but but based on these divisions, it's a good thing. Realignments will happen, and we cannot give up even when things look crazy. That's why we need to re-educate ourselves and stop watching the the mainstream media, the you know, pay so much attention to social media because they fuel our worst emotions and it is intended that way doesn't matter if it's fox abc cbs cnn msnbc or even news nation the somewhat sensuous one i'm dumping in there or the very crazy ones like um newsmax oan the young turks um yeah yeah those little crazy ones that come to mind right now that I think no one should be paying attention to because they are extremely biased and they are the extremes in my honest um, opinion. So, yeah. So we touched it, on a hopeful note there somewhere. I know I usually like to end on a hopeful note, but it seems like we keep passing through one and then going back into <laughs> how much stuff sucks. I guess it really does suck a lot. <laughs> yeah, but there is hope. It's just that a lot of people have to be willing to put the effort. And once you get past that, cynical mentality look it up or you know I, I don't even encourage people ask me questions i have sources i can help out and you know and, and you know and just tell me what state you're in i don't need all that personal information like a guy to what proposition what propositions are popping up vote on propositions they do matter you know if you hate your politicians and you know politicians got limited um influence and to a great degree, you know, we we give them more influence than what they need because we let them control our emotions. But um, if people want to do a, at least meaningful change, they got to start being more involved locally too. Yeah, get involved with state and federal, but invest more locally because those are changes that you'll want to impact you right away, and they have the most direct impact in your life. Rather you like the politicians or not, that that's irrelevant. Local policies affect you even to a great degree more than state and federal i think federal politicians we give them a lot of money by essentially giving them about 35 percent of gdp to control so that's probably the biggest source of their money but yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that propositions are an interesting underutilized tool probably most people even if they already show up to the election they leave those blank very often and that seems like a loss yeah, it is a loss. So that's why nah, so I tell people just vote, 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 vote. And I will talk about where propositions that they're in the state. And, you know, and states, they have their own constitution. So they are their amendments to that. And some propositions even hit the local level. Um, you know, it, it it widely depends. And that's why I need to talk with someone before I could just generally state something. If I go through the whole list, it's going to take me hours to get through each proposition in each state. And that's why I just keep it on the state level, especially based on where my listeners are at, like the top five. That's why I do this to make it sustainable and possible because I am not going through all 50 states. I'm just not, you know, if the demographics shift in my listenership and more come from Alaska or Wyoming or even Louisiana, I'm going to talk about those more. I always put the link for more states so what I can easily break it down and you know, based on what it means if that gets passed. And I mean, some propositions are actually pretty decent. Yeah, but people got to definitely vote a, vote on those propositions, especially if they want. I, like, like clean water one, that was easy yes for me to vote. 
Hell yeah. I, I'm not going to, you know, even though that's a left wing position, but that's why I agree with wholeheartedly. Taking care of the the environment, I'm I'm generally left on that on that issue. I generally hope that clean water is not a left wing position; it's just a human position. Yeah, it should be. You're right; it is a human position. But you know, it seems like but some on the right are getting to that, but they term it conservation, which is weird. It's essentially the same. It's the same thing to a great degree. It, it's just more on how they're going to do it. Oh, it's because it sounds more like the word conservative. But yes, on that hopeful note. We, we finally hit one. So on that hopeful note, I'd like to thank you for your time. Thank you so much for coming here. It was a great discussion. Yeah, no problem. If you want me back, just feel free to contact me and I will try my best to be available. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elias. This has been another episode of The Other Web. Join us next time for a more in-depth discussion about news, media, and the information ecosystem.